Greetings, denizens of sterile sanitariums. Today's episode is called What Happened Last Night? And we're talking about the movie High Wall. So High Wall is an amnesia movie directed by Curtis Bernhardt. It starts out with a familiar face, uh, Herbert Marshall, and it's a man, it's a scene that you've seen before, a man looking troubled, drinking alone in a jazz club or bar of some sort. Now, Herbert Marshall is a familiar face. Um, I've seen him in Foreign Correspondent, The Letter, Crack Up, and Angel Face. Um, he's one of those faces that if, you, if you've seen him before, you recognize him pretty, pretty instantly. And so he's got this troubled look. Is he supposed to look guilty? I don't know. That was my thought when I first watched it. So then he, uh, he sort of walks with a purpose, shows him going into this, this room and some kind of room with, uh, it says religious texts on the door. And goes inside. There's a lady in there and he's talking to her and he asks for Mrs. Kennett. And she tells him, uh, well, Mrs. Kennett has not returned. See, her husband has come back into town, and so apparently they're out celebrating or whatever it may be. Okay. So then it cuts away, and you get to this pretty decent car stunt, um, particularly for this area. You've got a car that's just zooming down the road, and it kind of skids off the off the street. Some of the some of the car stunts at this in the noir era are... Uh, don't really hold up too well, but this one is actually okay. And then it shows a wreck uh, coming down the hill, and um, it's less good. But obviously, they, you know, sort of sped up the uh, the film while the car was going down the hill. And so there's this angry looking guy with a dead woman in the car. And what is this? Is this Mrs. Kennett? Is this the one that uh, that they're looking for? Turns out, yes, this was the secretary, uh, Mrs. Kennett, and she has been killed. So the husband, Mr. Kennett, played by Robert Taylor, uh, an actor that I, I haven't been familiar with, you know, co- confesses to killing her prior to his little joyride. And so the police are sitting around remarking about how easy this case was. Hey, they don't, they don't make them this easy all the time. Only problem in the way is that the doctor indicates that the husband needs a psyche valve. He's not all right in the head. So Kennett goes in a cage, but he, you know, he looks pretty tormented. You know, you got these lots of, lots of pretty good use of shadows and, and uh, just lots of noir lighting in this flick. And uh, so he's uh, apparently got a blood clot that's putting pressure on his brain. And so you can't necessarily trust anything that he says. Well, then we meet Dr. Lorison, who is played by Audrey Totter. And uh, she doesn't look like the Audrey Totter we've seen in other movies. Um, she does, but uh, she's less blonde here. The, her hair is a lot darker. Um, you know, she was. I, th- I feel like she was very blonde in, in most of the other movies uh, that she played in, Lady in the Lake and uh, others. Um, but uh, so she's walking through. Apparently, she's a doctor and a psychiatrist. So what they want to do is they want to give him this brain surgery so that they can relieve the pressure on his brain. But he doesn't want to. You know, he's had surgery before. He says, "Look, I don't. I don't want to be a guinea pig." And so then the character of David Wallace, who must be the prosecutor, district attorney, or something like that, he's got a legendary line. It's pretty good. He says, we don't care about neurosis, psychosis, or arterial thrombosis. <laughs> and uh, apparently he's saying, I don't care what's the deal. Just uh, 
you know, get him to have the surgery. I need, I need to prosecute him. All right. I need this guy. This is a slam dunk. And, uh, he killed the wife and I, and you know, so we're going to, I'm going to, you know, I need him. I need whatever I need, you know, whatever he needs in order to take him to trial. And so, uh, he thinks that Kenneth is basically denying the surgery in order to play up like a, a future temporary insanity plea. And, uh, he, he's got some pretty good lines. Um, after they talk for a while, he says, Oh, uh, doctor, he'll pull through. All right. Won't he? Good. I'd hate to lose him. You know, he's got, he's got these lines, you know, like he's like, he's concerned about, you know, make sure he doesn't die through the, uh, through this operation or whatever. Um, because, uh, I need to put him away for life. So anyway, they, um, they show some life in the sanitarium where, um, where, uh, Kenneth has been placed and, uh, he meets this, uh, I guess, I guess it's a cameo. He shows up a couple of times, but he meets this old man, Slocum, and you'll recognize Slocum immediately. He's played by H.B. Warner, also known as Mr. Gower from It's a Wonderful Life. And he says that he's been there for three weeks, but we find out also that, you know, pr- prior to him saying that, that he's been there for 20 years. So the guy seems really polite, but he's also completely bonkers. And his whole thing is he wants to play music and he's acting all nice, you know, hey, do you mind if I turn on the radio? Do you mind? Blah, blah, blah. And so he he actually acts a lot like Mr. Gower, um, <laughs> um, particularly the the drugged up version of Mr. Gower. Um but much nicer, you know, much more polite. He really doesn't have a big, big, uh, big part in the movie, but I just was like, wait a minute. That, okay. That's Mr. Gower. So then, uh, Kenneth actually admits that he's putting off the operation so that he won't go to trial. You know, he's what they suspected, you know, that he, he doesn't want to have the operation because then he might be cleared and, and, and actually go to trial. Well, he's, he's found a loophole, right? He wants to stay in prison and, um, or stay in the, in the hospital. And, and, and that way he'll just be declared, insane but he finds out he has a you know he has a son he knows that obviously but he finds out that his mother has recently died so his son who he thought would be in her care is actually going to have to become a ward of the state and so um without him knowing it dr Lorison, uh she takes in his son richard and so knowing that his son is gonna is gonna end up having to be a ward of the state he decides to go ahead and have the surgery and uh, there's a funny scene where the the public defender comes in, um, this comic relief scene where he comes in and he's <laughs> basically just acts like an idiot. It's it's pretty funny. It's it's hard to it's hard to really um, describe, but uh, he keeps thinking everybody's Dr. Lorison, and then uh, and it, it's it's sort of a comic relief moment. Um, but he he has this idea that he's going to get him off on temporary insanity, and he's got all these plans and stuff. And Kenneth doesn't like him, so uh, so eventually um, they end up doing this test, and the whole time Kenneth has believed that he is uh, that he's guilty. I mean, he admitted at the beginning, you know, I I, I killed my wife. Um, you know, we don't get any other information about it, but uh, but he's he's the whole time basically believed um, that that he that he did it and he confessed it for a reason. So, uh, they end up doing this test, uh, with him and Dr. Lorison and he asks this very strange question. He says, can you strangle someone in one second? Then the scene immediately cuts back to Herbert Marshall's character, basically trying to make him look guilty, right? As soon as they say, you know, can you strangle someone in one second? And then boom, it just clicks over to, you know, uh, to Herbert Marshall's character. So, uh, are they trying to make him look guilty or is this, uh, just a, you know, a red herring? You know, is he guilty? Who knows? 
All right, so then um, Kenneth gets a visit from this character, Henry Croner, or Croner. Uh, I think that's how they pronounced it. And so he uh, basically offers information for money. Okay, he's, um, he's got something that can, that can you know, get Kenneth off, but uh, he wants money for it. He's got a pretty good line, too. He says, you know, you and I have a lot in common. You facing the electric chair, and my arthritis is killing me. So... Uh, <laughs> Um, he's just a weasel, you know, apparently he's got information, he won't share it yet, but, uh, you know, on the promise of getting money, um, once he delivers, then, um, then apparently he'll, he'll testify or whatever. So he plays both sides for money and it actually backfires. So it shows him in a, in a later scene or shortly thereafter. And he's, uh, sort of bragging to Herbert Marshall's character, uh, whose name is Whitcomb, by the way. He's basically telling him, oh, my arthritis flares up and stuff. And so Whitcomb is asking him like, well, how am I supposed to know your arthritis isn't going to flare back up next year? And then the year after that and all this stuff. And, and then eventually just throws him down an elevator shaft. Just savage. And so meanwhile, Kenneth agrees to a treatment, which he had previously de- declined. Uh, he didn't want to do, you know, he didn't want to revisit what was happening or what may have happened that night. But he's starting to think that maybe facing the truth might be good for him rather than painful. He's actually starting to think that he might be innocent. And so you get this flashback. Like I said, this is an amnesia movie. And so then uh, basically they, they give him sodium pentothal, which I think is the truth serum. And so then you get this flashback while his memory is filling in, you know, and, and as a result of the in- injection. So uh, you see what happened the night of the murder. He comes to the door and, and uh, his wife doesn't know he's coming. And so she's calling somebody uh, darling, you know, thinking he's somebody else. Well, she doesn't know he's coming. So is she two-timing? Uh, what, you know, what's the deal? She, um, she was yelling for someone darling and then she sees it's him. And of course, she's got this, this uh, shocked look on her face and she's trying to explain it away and stuff. And uh, he goes into this, this bit of rage. So he starts to strangle her, but he really strangles her for about one second, right? So that's why he was asking that question. Can you strangle somebody in one second? And so uh, he starts to strangle her, uh, and I think something happens with the the issue that he's got in his brain, and he ends up passing out. So he doesn't finish the job, but he wakes up, and she's dead. And so you have this common sort of scene that happens where somebody um, goes to commit a crime or begins to commit a crime but doesn't finish, and then someone else finishes the job, and of course the person you know, looks, looks guilty. So um, the doctor assures him that they might be able to find out more if they do more of these little sessions where he gets the sodium pentothal, and, uh, but he just can't wait, right? He's, he's got to get out, and so he finds a way to sneak out. When the doctor is leaving, I think he sneaks into her back, uh, back of her car or whatever, so when she's leaving, um, he, he jumps over the seat and basically risks everything. So he's like, look, you got to take me back to the scene of the crime, and uh, she doesn't want to do it, and she's like, look, this is, this is going to ruin everything for you. And yeah, pretty much all the decisions he makes are all the decisions that would make you look incredibly guilty and ruin any defense you had in real life, but this is film noir, so it's okay. Um, so they go back to the apartment, she's against it, and he does his little CSI thing, his little Gil Grissom thing, and re- recreates the crime exactly the way it happened, and he comes across some sort of revelation that, no, no, I couldn't have done this. And so he leaves the apartment, she wants to clean up afterward, and, uh, and he says, no, leave it exactly, exactly like it is. Well, the apartment is Whitcomb's apartment, and when he, he goes back to the apartment, he, he sees what it is and realizes he's in trouble. Somebody has recreated the crime scene, and so he sort of gets this, this panic type of thing. Well, he goes to visit um, in the hospital, and he actually, first off, starts trying to entice um, Kenneth to 
take uh you know he's going to pay for a defense attorney for him so that they can get him off on on um uh you know temporary insanity that type of thing i'm not sure if that's what he really wants or if he just wants to sabotage him you know um you know to to make him appear guilty but get off he's fine with that uh or what but it's it's pretty clear at this point whitcomb is is the actual murderer right he killed uh he killed the would-be um uh individual who was going to uh who was going to testify right threw him down the elevator shaft and so through the course of it uh this is where tenet is actually kind of uh he's he's kind of prideful in this moment you know he's kind of sure of himself and uh he tells whitcomb you know hold on to your uh to your attorney because you might need him and this is you know don't you know don't don't uh don't pass this up i I, you know i I can have you found innocent and he goes don't worry you know i'll be or i I can have you acquitted and he goes no i I, don't worry i will so hold on to your attorney and uh and you might use him you might need him well then whitcomb uh actually admits to the murder and that's when uh kenneth flies into a rage and attacks him and everything and it's that painful scene where he's he's dragged away and he realizes that he's been had right he he um he basically he basically overstepped, and now he looks crazy, and he looks violent, and all that stuff. So, um, so he gets thrown back in the in the in the jail cell, and this is the section of the film where he pretty much does everything, absolutely everything possible, you know, everything within his power to make every bad decision possible and make everything worse for himself. So, <laughs> think of any bad decision, and that's what he does. You know, he he betrays the people that he's friends with, and he he you know he locks the doctor. Um, in, into the cell and leaves and uh, sneaks out at night and so basically making all the wrong decisions or who knows this is film noir so is it just the last stand of a truly desperate man you know so we get to this dark rainy climactic scene it's just pouring down rain and um and and the doctor meets him um you know she's obviously been driving around looking for him or, or in a cab she gets out of the cab she runs up and she says look i don't care we're not going to be able to get to the truth uh based on psychology so you know let's go ahead and do it your way whatever and so they have this really odd sequence where they meet this fall down drunk in the bar you know this guy's slurring his speech and everything and he keeps calling Kenneth tom conover from cincinnati ah you're you're Tom Conover from Cincinnati. And he's like, look, dude, I don't know you, you know? And he goes, so then later on, oh, my mistake. And then later on, he comes by, any guy who looks that much like Tom Conover from Cincinnati, I got to buy him a drink, you know? <laughs> and so Kenneth's like, just get, you know, get out of here. Just leave me alone. And uh, eventually, I guess he sort of sees the, um, sees that he can use this, this drunk. So he says, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I apologize for my, for what I said earlier, you know, come, come drink with us, come hang out with us. And, you know, come, come for a cab ride with us and I'll explain the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. He tells him, my name really is Tom and I know a Conover. It doesn't make any sense, but it's just, you know, maybe makes sense to a, to a drunk, right? So they get the car and he's sort of trying to convince the, uh, the drunk to go with, uh, go with the doctor and, uh, she's shutting it down, right? she's like, no, I'm not, you know, you're not going anywhere alone. And so they, they make like they're a husband and wife with a baby and eventually they, uh, decide to use the, the drunk as a, as a cover. So they pull up in front of the building and uh of course he gets out and says all his lines perfectly you know he's like hey you guys uh take care of the baby or whatever and um see at my house uh, thursday and or whatever it is and so that's not the lines but it's stuff like that so it's a couple of cops standing there and they don't have any any issue with it because well they're not looking they're not looking for you know a husband and wife with a baby or anything like that so um so they go upstairs and uh this is where they they um approach whitcomb and somehow or another they 
inject him with the sodium pentothal, and he confesses. And uh, and that's all she wrote. While he's confessing, we sort of get this uh, this uh, flashback um, to how it really happened. And so he was there, um, and he didn't, um, you know, he didn't real. He wasn't really as serious. Obviously, he was he was uh, having an affair with uh, with Mrs. Kennett, the wife, and um, and you know, she, so she's talking about, hey, my husband's um, back, and just uh, you know, he tried to kill me, but he passed out. So um, let's get married after I get divorced from him. And you can see the look on his face, like, wait a minute, I don't want to do all this. And, and so then she threatens him, and that's probably the biggest problem there. She says, well, look, if you don't if you don't follow through with what we've been talking about then um, I'll ruin you. I'll keep you from getting this partnership and all this other kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, he gets this uh, brilliant idea that, hey, he's come here to kill her. He started to strangle her and passed out. I'm just going to finish the job and frame him for it. And that's what he does. And we all see, we see it happen on screen as he remembers. And then uh, it sort of fades out of the dream and he's sitting there narrating what's happening. Uh, his eyes are closed and there are police standing around. So, there he has confessed. Um, there's sort of this odd situation at the end where the cop says, "You know, it's uh, we're we're not permitted to use drugs on our um, on our suspects, but uh, I'm sure you'll you'll confess the whole thing later on down at the station." And he goes, "No, no, I won't. I, I'll want my attorney and all this stuff." So there's probably some question there about uh, admissibility in court and uh, that type of thing. But uh, anyway, the movie doesn't dwell on it too much, um, and uh, so. I'd say, other than the fact that a woman was murdered, um, it's sort of a a happy ending for a you know for a movie, for, for a noir movie. Um, so you know, Mrs. Kennett is is dead, but uh, she was she was two timing, and she was you know obviously not a good person, not deserving of murder, but she was not a good wife. And uh, so, her, but her son is left without uh, you know is left without a mother, and. Uh, and so at that point, um, Dr. Lorison sort of, uh, she, she, uh, reveals to Kenneth that, well, I've been keeping your son, um, all this time anyway. And so, um, she takes him to him and the final scene is sort of where she's, you know, he walks in, I think, and, and the son is asleep. And, and so it's been a long time since he's seen him, but, uh, he's reunited with Richard and apparently he and Dr. Lorison are now in love. And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's all she wrote. Um, so it's a decent film noir. Um, I saw it on Turner Classic Movies. I saw it, uh, at, you know, Eddie Muller showed it for, uh, for Noir Alley. And uh, Audrey Totter is always good. Uh, this, is a, this is a different type of role for her. She still has that stare. You know, if you watch Lady in the Lake, uh, because, because Lady in the Lake is all told from a first person, it's like a first person perspective where um, you only see the, the main character um, at, at the intro when he's, when he's introducing the movie or when he looks at a mirror. Um, and so she's got that just stern stare and she does it a few times in this movie too. I mean, just very, very tense, um, dramatic stare, but this is a different movie for her, you know, a different role than I was used to seeing for her. Um, she played the professional and, um, and she, you know, she ended up covering for him. You know, there's a scene where, you know, she's, she's about to, to go rat him out for, uh, for sneaking into the car and making her take him to the, um, uh, to the, to the crime scene. And so she goes into her superiors and she's getting ready to, to throw him under the bus. And at the last second, she sort of chickens out and realizes that, well, if she does that, he's, it's over with for him. He's got no, he's got no, 
uh, chance in this. Uh, I really like the the character of Herbert Marshall, uh, you know, that he plays. Uh, I think he's very, he was really good in the letter. Uh, he's, he's, he's really good. Um, and, you know, I think he, he played it really well. Uh, I think he's a charismatic actor. Um, I, I didn't necessarily love the, uh, the character of Mr. Kennett, um, played by Robert Taylor. I don't, I'm not familiar with Robert Taylor. Apparently he wasn't in a lot of film noir and, uh, he was okay. You know, he played it, he played it pretty straight. Nothing super memorable for me though, um, in his, uh, in his role. I mean, he did fine. I mean, obviously he, he played the tormented guy, you know, with the angry looks on his face and, uh, and, you know, the, the scenes in the jail cell and all that stuff. But uh, to me, it wasn't anything that made me, you know, character-wise, it wasn't anything that just made me want to go look up the rest of, of his of his movies and watch them or anything like that. Um, which is a little different, you know, because uh, Audrey Totter makes... I, I, do, I do generally want to watch anything she's in. Herbert Marshall, same thing. Um, and so... And, and there were some cameo characters that were that were pretty funny and pretty interesting you know the the district attorney guy was funny um the the public defender sydney hackle was was pretty funny and so uh even henry croner was this uh just very scumbag low life you know guy like look i know the truth but i'm just i'm gonna sell to the highest highest bidder and so i feel like sort of kennett um kind of even though he's the main character was uh was kind of lost in, in in some other good performances and uh Eddie Muller talked about how um how common the the theme of amnesia <laughs> was uh with film noir and that's true there's a lot of there's a lot of mystery that you can get and it's, it's a cheap way to get mystery whenever you can when you can use amnesia and so um but i mean it works okay it works fine um and uh and it's a decent movie so um Check it out if you get a chance. Um, I don't think it's, you know, a cornerstone of film noir that you just have to watch. I probably would have never seen it had I not watched it on um, on uh, Noir Alley. But it's it's worth it's worth your time if you're a completist who wants to see everything that they put on uh, on on Noir Alley. Like I am, then you know, go ahead and watch it. Um, you know, if you're a fan of of these actors, um, if you want to make sure you see everything Audrey Totter did, all the film film noir she made then uh, definitely go for it. So um, so decent flick, um, nothing earth-shattering or legendary, but uh, take the time to watch it if you get a chance. And for crying out loud, turn your phone off when you watch the movie.